It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go on a beautiful Thursday afternoon in Vegas. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there. Jared Justice on the other side of the glass. And I'll tell you what, uh, as as the great uh, Mike Lang would say, it's a hockey night because it is. Uh, we are all things HSK on this station for the next, uh, well, the, the majority of the next eight hours. Uh, only one with me, then you'll get a little bit of a reprieve, but then the Silver Knights do drop the puck tonight at the Orleans Arena against the San Jose Barracuda. 7 o'clock puck drop will be on the air for 6.30 pregame. And uh, this will be the last game for the Silver Knights before the All-Star break. And, well, it's not going to be much of an all-star break for the city of Las Vegas. It's going to be all-star festivities all weekend long. And a lot of it's starting uh, today. I, I believe uh, ball hockey tournaments are, are starting today. The Spit and Chicklets are in town to do uh, some, some Vegas ball hockey activities. There's going to be ball hockey clinics uh, both at Lifeguard and at Fanfare, which you're going to want to get your tickets. Or Actually, I'm not sure if you need tickets or just... I think you do, yes. Uh, tickets for NHL Fanfare you can get at uh, NHL.com slash Fanfare. But you're going to want to be at Fanfare for the next few days. Lots of interactive uh, games, experiences for fans. Lots of fun. Lots of uh, opportunities to hear from some NHL legends that will be sitting down for uh, panel discussions throughout the weekend. And, then of course, we have the skills competition uh, and the All-Star game. So lots of All-Star fun this weekend. We're going to go into that uh, later in the program. Darren Millard is going to hop on, let us know what he's up to uh, for his uh, his all-star fun weekend and, and some of the people he'll be talking to because, of course, if there are, are uh, hockey royalty coming into town uh, to put on the headset, you know they're talking to Darren Millard. So we'll have Darren on later on to talk about uh, what he's looking forward to this weekend. Now on the hockey front, uh, in our second segment, our next segment, we'll catch up with uh, VGK Director of Player Development, Will Nickel talk about some of the prospects both here and afar so uh busy busy program and lots to look forward to and we'll give you a bit uh, another heads up of uh, a breakdown of what to keep an eye out for around town this weekend uh in vegas for the all-star weekend because i'll tell you what folks i've had a chance luckily my first year out of college uh working in hockey quote-unquote uh, i was an intern in columbus with the blue jackets that was during the 2014-15 season they, they hosted the All-Star Game. That was one of the greatest weekends of my life. Now, again, I was working it, so I'm sure I had a chance to poke my head around a few corners that maybe fans buying tickets wouldn't. But n- nonetheless, the, the media day uh, activities, the, the fanfare uh, activities, the, there were a couple of concerts. It's just the, the NHL goes all out, and there's going to be just so much to do. Um, and, and we'll talk to Darren about this. I, I think what's really fun is that it has a bit of a uh, a convention feel to it, a, a a reunion feel to it. The the NHL puts its best foot forward. It's a weekend that is all about entertainment, which is great. And games are always entertaining, of course, but there's also it competitive, and there's that uh, you know there there's an edge to it, and and uh, you know this is a livelihood for players. The All Star Weekend, I'm sure the players won't put on a good show, but. Everyone can really relax. Everyone can have fun, even management personnel, uh, scouts who are in town. Yeah, they all get together at the draft, but they're there to do a job. Sure, they all come together probably for, uh, especially if their team is involved in the in the cup final, but there's no more tense couple of weeks than, than that. This is a chance for everyone to really relax, enjoy each other, enjoy the game, enjoy the fans. 
a weekend that is all about fun, uh, and you get to be in the epicenter of it. So make sure you uh, take advantage of this and, and uh, take part in NHL All-Star Weekend. Well, let's turn our attention to the Silver Knights. This is the Silver Knights Insider Program, after all, and the Silver Knights got back on the horse last night. They they got a 5-3 win over San Jose that they needed after a, a frustrating outing, a, a rather disappointing outing uh, last weekend against the Colorado Eagles where the uh, Silver Knights just never really got anything going. Last night they went up against the San Jose team that is statistically the, the, the worst defensive team in the, in the AHL. So you need to be able to generate offense against the San Jose team that hasn't been able to stop anyone of late. Having said that, though, of course, uh, the the disclaimer that any team can beat any team on any day, but this is also a San Jose team that is better now than what we saw, or at least better on paper than what we saw in early January when these two teams met last. San Jose, the, the, uh, the Barracuda, have been impacted. All teams have been impacted in the AHL by their NHL affiliate with the uh, COVID circumstances of the last couple of months. Uh, every team has gone through their period of uh, rampant call-ups, but San Jose really got hit hard. And the Barracuda, last time we saw them, they were without uh, Nick Merkley. They were without Ryan Merkley. They were without Jaden Halbagawax. Key, key offensive players that they were without. Uh, and <clears throat> so last night, again, despite the fact that this is a San Jose team that struggles defensively and that, that persisted last night, uh, it's a team that's scrappier, feistier, and probably a little frustration add to the fact that their record is what it is when this team, uh, skill-wise, should be better than that. So I think the Silver Knights anticipated it was going to be a tough night. It was going to be a challenge, and it certainly was as they trailed San Jose three times throughout the game, one nothing, 2-1, 3-2, kept finding ways to push back. And uh, a player that led the offense last night was Paul Cotter, who had his first AHL hat trick, the first hat trick for a Silver Knight this season, the fourth hat-trick in Silver Knights history. It was funny, after the game, I'm going to be completely honest with you folks, call the game, I, I looked, uh, the goal was scored, and then uh, the I, uh, someone threw something on the ice, uh, it might have been a bandana or something like that, but something landed on the ice. I was like, oh, there you go, the, the hats are starting. And I looked down and started you know, looking at uh, monitors and, and whatnot as I'm uh, recapping the goal. And I looked back up, and they're ready to go. I was like, wow, they cleaned that up pretty fast. But I thought a couple of hats had made onto the ice. After the game, I asked Paul Cotter, I said, uh, do you get to keep any of the hats? He says, I don't know if anyone threw any. So it looks like Paul Cotter snuck his hat trick by some of the Orleans Arena faithful last night. But it was certainly impactful for the Henderson Silver Knights. Paul Cotter, who had spoken repeatedly over the last couple of weeks about playing well, putting up points in terms of assists. He had six assists over the last 13 games. But in that 13-game window... No goals, and he had said, "I got to start scoring goals again." You know, I'm 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 doing what I have to do, but I, I need to make an impact on the score sheet in more ways than one. So certainly, Paul Cotter was starting to feel it a little bit. It was important for him to get off the Schneid, and he did it in a huge way, scoring uh, his first of the game with less than a second to go in the second period, off the bench, snuck in and sniped one from just above the circles. That was with .9 seconds left on the clock. That was huge for the Silver Knights to, to go into the dressing room even, feeling good about themselves, rather than trailing a team in San Jose that, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Barracuda have only led entering the third period uh, on nine occasions this year, if I'm not mistaken. It, it has not been often. So for a Silver Knights team that had a hard time generating offense against Colorado in the second meeting of, of that two-game set, uh, Silver Knights needed... 
punctuation mark scoring, punctuation mark performances at the critical times. And they got that from Paul Cotter, who scored his second goal in the third period after he hopped out of the penalty box, lurked around for about 10 seconds, got the puck in the neutral zone, and, and took off into a second gear off to the races. So um, good, good for Paul Cotter, not just scoring goals, but scoring impactful goals at junctures where the Silver Knights needed someone to make a play. After the game yesterday, we caught up with Manny Vivros, as we always do. He spoke a little bit on that subject and more. Let's hear Manny Vivros' post-game comments from last night. Manny Vivros, uh, Manny, about a week ago, we were talking with Paul Cotter and said, hey, you're putting up points. And he says, yeah, but I'd like to start scoring some more. Uh, he did so tonight, and he was scoring goals, impactful goals that you guys needed at times when you needed them. How important was that for him? No, I think for anybody, uh, especially with, with uh, Paul's uh, skill set, um, you know, he's a very skilled player. And, uh, you know, anytime you're able to put the puck in the back of the net, you're going to obviously build confidence. So it's been a while for him, though, but I was very happy the way that, uh, you know, the way he scored the goals tonight. I think that the first goal was, a, you know, an incredible shot uh, and a hard shot. And then the second goal, um, that more than anything, uh, you know, exemplifies the type of player Paul is. If he's really good and really effective, it goes to the net. And he drove drove to the net like that and put the puck in the net. So that's that's a good, uh, you know, kind of a reminder how he needs to play every single night. And if he does that, he's going to, you know, continue to score. You guys had to battle back a couple of times tonight, but it was never more than a one-goal deficit. How important was it that you guys were able to to answer punch for punch? Well, we certainly weren't pleased with the last game that we played at home here on last Saturday night here. So we wanted to get out and you know try to push the pace as much as possible against these guys. And uh, you know they came out, they played really well for us. So we actually probably didn't get off to you know obviously a great start but it took us a while to get going but our message always is stay with our game continue to keep playing the way we're supposed to be playing and uh, you know good things will happen and I was very happy that we, we we stuck with it we didn't get frustrated we kept working and working and did the right things and you know at the end of the day we were able to come up the top. Daniil Miraman has been putting up points all year long the Pavel Dorofiev goal seemed like one where Daniel got a little creative. He jumped into his space. How imaginative is he when he has the puck on his stick? A lot of that, Brian, is that you, you, that's a lot of that hockey and stick you can't teach. And what Daniel has is he knows or he has that innate ability just to jump into those areas and stuff like that, too. And that's a special talent that he has, which, which comes natural. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, when he's on the ice and he's got some free ice, um, he's going to make things happen. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, he scored a timely goal for us, obviously a real, a real big goal at that time. And, uh, you know, whenever he's He's got he's got his legs and his jump like that. He's very effective. The Paul Cotter goal, the the Pavel Dorofiev goal, both goals that were off of sustained offensive zone pressure. Is that something you guys have done a better job of of, of late when when you're going well of lengthy offensive zone shifts, but but cashing in on them? Well, that's something uh, in particular this week we really concentrated on as far as uh, when we're in the old zone, we didn't want to be one and done. We wanted to make sure that if we had uh, you know, pucks towards the net, they were going to retrieve those pucks and re-attack again too. So, um, you know, we wanted to get back to, you know, anytime there's anything loose that so we're jumping on it right away and re-attack as soon as possible. And, and that's a mindset to have and that's something that, uh, you know, when we're effective and we've proven that this year against teams, if we're, if we're on our toes and we're not sitting back, we're very effective. And uh, tonight, uh, Certainly paid off. Caden Korzak made his NHL debut last night. I, I would imagine it might be tough to go from that to going right back into game action in a different setting the very next night. How how was he uh, jumping right back into HSK duty? 
No, it certainly, it certainly is. You know, obviously you're playing in front of 18,000 fans in the National Hockey in your first game, but really good learning lesson for him too that, uh, you know, that's part of being a pro. You know, that may happen over the next couple of years for him till he, you know, plays in the National Hockey League for, for uh, full time. So for him, that was a really good uh, lesson to learn as far as, you know, that's going to happen at times and it's happened quite a few times to our players and really the way, really happy the way he responded and I thought he was very solid tonight too. Manny Viveros and, and a lot to be happy about for the Silver Knights last night. Again, not a, not a game that they dominated and rolled over. R rather, it's a game that they managed uh, against, again, a San Jose team that is scrappy and a San Jose team that has now lost four in a row heading into tonight's contest. So you know that they're going to, uh, you know, there's a pride factor there too. A team that's good, a team that's bad. If you lose four in a row, uh, it sticks with you. So it was a, a very solid third period. For the Silver Knights, scoring three goals in the third period after falling behind earlier in that third period, they they needed uh, resolve and, and a night where you know on so many occasions they depend on Logan Thompson. Last night was one of the nights where you know Logan Thompson got a little bit of a, of a pick me up from his teammates because there were a couple of goals Thompson gave up that on uh, on his best night we don't see sneak through. Uh, it was the Silver Knights' offense that had to be the difference makers, and they were looking tonight against uh, San Jose again. Uh, the Silver Knights, 8-5-0 in the second half of back-to-backs this season. Not bad, uh, especially in a league that features as many back-to-backs as the American Hockey League does. But for the Silver Knights, this will be their last contest uh, before the All-Star break. After tonight, uh, they will not play again until February the 11th. Uh, and for the Silver Knights, uh, it's, it's certainly worth mentioning as well. They have a lot of home hockey at the end of the season, a lot of home hockey. Uh, as they play 10 of their final 12 games at the brand-new Dollar Loan Center. February and March are both going to feature challenging road stretches, and, and they're not road stretches where the team is on the road the entire time, but it's going to be a lot of time away from home and against teams that they're jockeying for position with right now shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder in the Pacific Division. When they get back to hockey on uh, February the 11th, they're going to go to Bakersfield for two. They're going to go for Colorado to two. Uh, and they'll go to Tucson as well. A six-game road swing in February before they come home for three. Then in March, they're going to play two in Ontario, which will be difficult, two in Iowa, which will be difficult, and then two in San Diego. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. HSK Today. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you. I apologize to anyone in our audience who thought that I might have been sucked into a black hole. It looks like we had some sort of a power surge here or something that messed with the uh, with our uh, broadcast modem, but we are good to go now, and I, uh, I'm glad we're back on the air properly because we're joined by Director of Player Development, Will Nickel. Will, thanks for taking the time today. We appreciate it. Hey, Brian. How you doing, bud? Appreciate I'm doing good. It, it's All-Star Weekend in Vegas, so how could I feel anything but great? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Sorry that you had some technical difficulties over there, uh, but glad that you got everything back and going. So, right. yeah. We had to make sure we were, we were squared away before we gave you a ring. Uh, you know, yep. well, I, I wonder, for, for All-Star Weekend, and of course it's in Vegas this year, so that's uh, it's unique for Vegas hockey fans, but you can see there's a lot of hockey people in town, and of course that's players, former players, but, but also there seem to be a lot of scouts and scouting departments also here. 
it's it's kind of a, a a convention, isn't it? Like most of the fans will focus on the on ice stuff, but for everyone in the hockey business, this could be a fun weekend. Yeah, it should be. You know, it, it should be. And the NHL does such a great job, um, and and has continued to just make it better and better each year. And um, it's it's neat for for me and uh, for for the staff members that have been here from the start. Right, like obviously George and Kelly and Vaughn Carpin, Bob Lowe's, all of us that started in the uh, towards the end of the summer there in 2016, and and just to see Bill Foley's vision. Right uh, yeah. when this all started, and, and now we're we're hosting the All Star Game, so it's uh, it's it's really neat on that front too. It's going to be a lot of uh, really great activities, both on the ice and off throughout the next few days. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Henderson yeah, it should be great for the fans eh? and and the play, everyone everyone involved. But uh, obviously, it should be really great for the fans too. So. Will, if we were talking skills competition, what would your uh, what would your go to event be? <laughs> for me, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they had a shot blocking uh, category, then maybe that one. But uh, no, I guess maybe hardest shot. I definitely wouldn't be fastest player, but maybe hardest shot. Okay, so we should have uh, events for the the uh, development staff too. Fastest evaluation yeah. goes yeah. to Will Nickel. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. So. Well. Let's let's take a look at some of the uh, the Silver Knights prospects, the Golden Knights prospects, and, and uh, a good time to do it because yeah. last night was game number thirty four. It's the true midway point, so this is a this is a good time to to take a look at some some individuals. Yeah, I got to watch it uh, this morning. You know, I'm back home. Um, as you know, I, uh, I tested positive uh, yeah. about a week ago. Uh, not quite, but uh, with, with COVID, so I was hoping to be there in person, but. Uh, Watched it la- the, the game from last night this morning, and um, yeah, there was there was a lot lot of good things, right? A lot of good things uh, from not just the, the guys who we've drafted and developed, but just from the team in general. And uh, I was happy that the boys came away with with a win. How are you doing with your uh, your COVID bout? You sound like you're doing all right. I'm good. No, I feel great. I feel great. Um, it uh, I was lucky, you know. Uh, just had cold like symptoms, uh, really mostly for a day, and uh, I felt better and better. And today, you know, I told my wife I felt like I could jump on the elliptical and, and work out. So uh, I'm at the end of it, which is good, and feel real good. So. Well, glad to hear that. Uh, you you tuned in last night, of course. You're always following along with the VGK prospects. Let's start with some of the players currently with the Silver Knights, and let's start with Pavel Dorofiev, who's just having a phenomenal second pro season in, in North America. Yeah. And and so much of what we always hear about Pavel this year has been the uh, the confidence stepping forward. And, and confidence can come in so many different packages because Pavel, he doesn't speak a lot of English, so it's understandable why he'd be kind of quiet. But he does have a soft-spoken personality. But this year on the ice, he's taking charge. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a great one to start with. And, um, you know, I've, I've said this before, so I, I, forgive me if, if the fans out there have heard, heard this before, but I, I do think it's really important to note, like, he, he's he's still just 21 years old, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, Paz was the first one, you know, of our prospects to, to come over from Russia. And Max came over uh, shortly after, and, and we're sure hoping that we're going to get Ivan Morozov uh, over here. Uh, this spring, but you know, Pavs came over last year mid-season, and, and at the time didn't speak English very well. His English has gotten a lot better. So he was 20 at the time, and, and I always say to people, like, put yourself in in his shoes, right? Like, I, I know for me to to go to Russia, to not know the language at 20, 
um, to not live in the culture. Um, you know, it's different to visit and, and to live somewhere. And you're you trying know, to figure out so many things, other things too simultaneously. Yeah, all those things factor in. Like with both Max and Paths, like I had I, I, when they came over, I was there and I helped them set up a bank account. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they came over and they didn't have their suits with them, so we went and bought them suits. Like things that you don't even think about, right? And right. Um, and and so he's really. I, I just give him. I give both those boys, Max and Paths, tons of credit for for coming over. And, uh, and and for trusting our organization and, and, you know, whether it's Kelly and George or, or whether it's Pete and his staff or May and his staff, but, you know, they put trust in us. And, um, and, and Taz has just had an awesome, awesome second season, if you will call it that. It's his first full season. Yeah. But since he did come over last year for a bit, I guess technically it's his second season. And, and the thing that I really like about Pavel is uh, he, he's really bought into – uh, improving parts of his game that that need to uh, need to improve, right? Like there's times where he can move his feet more without the puck, and I watched him last night, and I felt like he was doing that. And he's always been really strong on his stick and strong on the puck, but I feel like he's you know he's he's gotten stronger and is playing stronger. So so his 200 foot game is is continuing to get better. Uh, credit to Manny and you know Joel Ward works with with our forwards. They've done a great job with with all those kids. And yeah, Pavs, you know, he has things he can't teach, Brian. Like that, that goal he scored last night, he made that look pretty easy, but mm. he showed poise, he showed patience and skill, and um, he just doesn't have a lot of panic in him. Um, and uh, and he's got a lot of offense, got a great shot, a lot of creativity. He's definitely having a good year. With Director of Player Development, Will Nickel, you mentioned Maxime Marashev as well. I think what's interesting with Maxime Marashev, last spring he came over, and you could tell he was playing detail-oriented hockey. He was making sure he was yep. positionally sound and get, getting acclimated. This year, we've seen the addition of the offense, and he had a stretch. Uh, I want to say he had points in, in eight of nine. He had a really good run in early, late November, early December. Then he got yep. injured, missed uh, about a month. But since he's come back, he's picked up right where he left off, which shows that that wasn't just a nice two weeks where he felt, you know, where he had it going. He's legitimately taken a step forward this year. No, for sure. Max has Max has got offense uh, to his game. There's no doubt. I think that the, the, what, you're spot on. Like his 200 foot game and his consistency and his compete, it, it just doesn't waver. You know, similar to why so many of our fans, you know, love the way Jake Lecision plays, right? But yeah. I remember having a conversation with Jake, you know, after we had him for a year and he was going to be heading back to junior. And I, and I told him like, it's, it's, it's okay. I didn't say to cheat offensively, but it's, it's okay to think offensively and, and slow it down a little bit. Cause we felt the same way about Jake. Like Jake, we felt had the offense uh, to go with his responsible 200 foot game. And Jake ended up scoring 40 goals, you know, his last year in a WHL and, it didn't surprise any of us because we knew he had it. And, and I think Max has that in him as well. I think he's got that offense to him, but he's so um, aware and he's so responsible and he wants to make sure that his details are so good that, um, you know, it's almost like you got to remind them it's, it's, it's okay. Like it's okay to make some plays offensively and, and to think creatively. You're not going to, you're not going to abandon that 200 foot game that, that we love and appreciate good for him for uh, for finding that and it won't surprise me if he continues to find it. Caden Korzak made his NHL debut the other night. Did you get to watch any of that? 
I didn't because uh, so nor- normally I, you know I watch uh, I got the NHL package and so I watch uh, what everyone in Vegas gets to watch right I watch right. Dave and, and Shane and it wasn't on it was on Hulu and I don't have that but I shot Corey a text beforehand and just just like I do with all the guys and they had their first game just so proud of them and you know told them it's the first of first of many um, you know to come and uh, he's uh, he's obviously got a bright future with us. And he's one of those players, again, it's almost not surprising when he has a good NHL debut. Everyone's first NHL game is, you know, is, is going to be them doing their best. It's a lot to take in. But he was so steady, and that's that's a trademark of his game is, is that steadiness. That's Corsi, for sure, yeah. Again, you, you obviously you know the guys very well. That's uh, why you're good at your job. But, yeah, Corsi, and, and that's something that's a credit to him, you know, that he went up for his first game as, and again, you forget the age of these guys, right? As yeah. a young defenseman, he didn't try to do something or be something that he's not. Um, you know, Speltz, they talked to Tim Speltz, and, and he, he was there, and he said, Corsi played his game and played great. And uh, and, and good for, for Caden. Doesn't surprise me at all, because uh, that's who he is. And um, he does things so well defensively and with his details. I don't want to say you take it for granted, but you, sometimes you can, you can't, right? Because it's just like, well, Corey's out there. You just always feel comfortable, right? When he's on the ice, mm-hmm. uh, he has that about him. But uh, yeah, I was real happy for him and uh, and, and his family, right? That uh, that he was able to make his debut. Talking to Will Nickel, uh, Brendan Brisson is having a, another standout season at the University of Michigan and uh, a unique opportunity that doesn't uh, come along for a college player very often. He gets to go to the Olympics for yeah. Team USA. What what can that uh, opportunity provide? Yeah, I, you know, you, you just talked about Corsi getting his first game. Those are some of the best, if not the best moments, right, for me with my job because I get to be with the draft picks, you know, once we draft them. Uh, when Brennan Brisson called me, um, you know, he had gotten the, the, the message from John Van Eastbrook, uh, and, and it's funny cause I knew, and I couldn't let him know. And I didn't <laughs> think it was right. I didn't think it was right that I, that I did let him know. I thought that was for team USA, um, to tell him, but I was at the game, you know, with Michigan UMass and I knew that, that he had been named to the team. That's a tough uh, secret to keep. <laughs> it was. It was, and he was he was really great about it after when we talked after the game and said, well, you know, I probably should find out soon. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think you will. And, well, he called me on my drive from Ann Arbor to the Detroit airport, and, and those were the best moments, right? Like, he was just so excited uh, about it and, and well-deserved, like well-deserved. And I'm not saying that from a biased standpoint because he's our prospect. I'm saying that objectively. Um I don't think that there's a player out there in college hockey who's better on the flank, on the power play, uh, than, than Briss. I really don't. He he sees it and thinks it uh, at a very, very high level. And he has uh, an elite shot. Like Mel Pearson has said it many times. They haven't had somebody at Michigan that shoots a puck like Brisson um, since, since Pacioretty. So when you think of what you want on the flank, someone who's an elite passer, elite vision, creativity, and elite shot, he has all those things. But he's more than that. You know, he's really focused on rounding out his 200-foot game and uh, and has done so. Um, that's something that he and I have worked on quite a bit uh, since the first time I saw him live was against the University of Wisconsin 
uh, early in his freshman year. And it was, it was, we still go back to that moment. He had a great game. They had the lead, Michigan did, and he didn't play much in the last four or five minutes. And I told him, I said, if you want to play in those situations where you're defending the lead, you got to get better as a 200-foot player and you got to earn the coach's trust. And uh, he didn't block at that at all. You know, he wanted more info and more feedback and uh, more accountability and all that. And, and he's really worked at it. He's, he's rounding out that 200-foot game. So I'm really proud of Brennan. And what an honor for him and his family to be representing the U.S. Lucas Cormier had a, an explosive offensive season last year in Charlottetown. This season, he's pretty much on the same, if not maybe even a slightly like uh, a better pace. How is his game growing? Yeah, I'd have to look. Um, I, I know as a, as, as a, a couple of weeks ago, he was uh, on pace. The only the only defenseman in the history of the queue who had a better point per game rate uh, at that at that point this was a couple of weeks ago I think was the Gerard boy who was with Colorado mm. so I I I don't know why that would change because the queue's been shut down um, right now he's got he's got thirty six points in twenty six games right now yeah yeah and so I think that that's what jumps out at people the most you know when they watch Lucas and 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 I understand why you know he does have that like like if you're coaching against his team, you need to know when he's on the ice. Yeah. Like you, you just do. Um, but he's another one that uh, you know. Kelly McCrimmon uh, had a great talk with him, and I, I was sitting in there when we had the conversation at the end of training camp. And Lucas, this is you know, this is something I've talked about before. So forgive me, you know, to the fans who've heard this, but you know, Lucas played the exhibition game for for Vegas. He had an outstanding first period. And it was because he let the game come to him. And he wasn't trying to force offense. And he wasn't trying to, what I would say, uh, use junior habits, right? Mm -hmm. Things that you can get away with. Well, the second period, he got away from it. And and um, and he got to some, what I would say, kind of some junior A habits and some things he could get away with. And he didn't have a very good second period. And so Krim and I talked to him about it. And it was such a good teaching piece for us and teaching point, teaching moment. It's something that, that Lucas and I have come back to a lot. Like you, you need to, you need to bring that game from the first period of, of that exhibition game. If, if you want to continue to grow and, and he's bought in and, um, you know, the last time I got to see him live, uh, it was interesting because the way he was defending the rush, the way he was defending in zone was so much better. You could tell that he had worked on it a lot and, he had so many offensive opportunities, um, so he was he was really a, a complete defenseman in that game, and, and it was fun for for me to watch. But it was really uh, important, I think, for him to see it and understand that the offense will still be there. You know, I, I just have to continue to, to grow my game and, and continue to get better at my end of the ice. Will, I'm just about out of time, and I, I got, I'm kicking myself. I need to start booking you for 30 minutes at a time because we could definitely fill the uh, fill the time. But before I let you go, uh, yep. we've talked about some of the, the names that, that fans are consciously following uh, on the prospect wire. Is there anyone having a really good year this, this season that maybe you want to give a little love to that the fans may not uh, be following as closely? Well, here, here are some guys that I would say have, have had excellent years thus far. You know, Jackson Hallam and Green Bay. Uh, it's not Again, it's not just because of the scoring. Um, he, he's playing the game the right way. He's, he's shedding his high school habits, and he's really becoming a 200-foot player. Jacob Demick and Jacob Urbanitz. Uh, Demick is up in Edmonton with the Oil Kings. 
uh, has been absolutely outstanding and they have one of the best teams in the entire CHA, uh, CHL. And um, uh, Jacob Urbanitz is in Charlottetown, Lucas Cormier. He's another one who's had just an outstanding first season. And I give those two boys tons of credit because they've, they've come over to North America from Europe, right? And, and you factor in all those things that we talked about with Pavel and Max, um, leaving home, all those things at the age of, for them at the age of 18. And uh, so they've adjusted um, uh, and they've also just uh, elevated their game. Uh, Danny Chaik is having a real nice year in Guelph. And then Jesper Vickman, um, I, I think, has had a real good year. Uh, in Vancouver, and Isaiah Seville uh, has had his best season by far. He's had a real great career, and he's had his best season for Nebraska-Omaha. Like, for me, when they win, he's the big reason why. Um, so Isaiah Seville, for sure, uh, down in Nebraska-Omaha. There's a lot of fruit on the tree, and we're glad you're attending to them. Director of uh, Player Development, Will Nickel, thank you so much for taking the time with us. We appreciate it, and uh, feel better. We look forward to seeing you back in town real soon. Hey, I can't uh, can't wait to see you and the boys. Uh, keep up the great work, and uh, let me know what you need. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Will. That's Will Nickel, Director of Player Development for the VGK. We'll step aside, and when we come back, we'll talk All-Star Weekend with Darren Millard. Straight ahead on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is HSK Today. His body's like a bag of milk. You guys wouldn't know what that is. But in Canada, we, we serve we serve milk in bags. We, you buy bags of milk, you put them in a holder. And he's got a body like a bag of milk, so he's not, he's not the uh, most gifted athletic-looking uh, guy, but uh, he stands in there. Well, apparently that's Pete DeBoer uh, describing our next guest. Uh, we're joined by Darren Millard. Darren, have you ever gotten that assessment face-to-face, or is this the first you're hearing that uh, that description of your, your performance? In the spirit of full transparency and honesty, uh, I have referred to others in that vein <laughs> on several occasions, and it was not a compliment. So to have that come back at me is... Very humbling. Your comeuppance? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it wasn't my finest moment as I was listening to that program and, uh, and, and heard that come back at me. But uh, Pete owed me one, and, uh, and it was good. I sent him a, a, a drawing of, of myself on a bag of milk, and uh, <laughs> I thought it was uh, pretty accurate. I think it's a compliment. You're fluid. You're 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 malleable. Yeah. I mean, for a goaltender, that's you, yeah. I, I think that's a compliment. You're a shapeshifter. Strong, strong bones. Exactly. It's it's it's, it's, it's really good. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, no, it, until you see the bag of milk that uh, that is just set on the counter and is flopped <laughs> over and uh, and leaking, it uh, it's not a compliment. That's not how it's meant to be seen. <laughs> We're with Darren Millard, and and Darren, just for the record, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a, a while now, and it was not my idea that I finally get you on to immediately insult you. That's someone else uh, in the studio. Oh, <laughs> I know Jared. Who that is. That's Jared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Milsey. Yeah. Jared will get his. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Jared will get his. Well, as, as I said to Jared when he said he wanted to play that clip, I'll say the same to you. I'm just here to help. 
Uh, <laughs> Darren, it's, it's great to have you on, and, and there's so much to, to get excited for this weekend with NHL All-Star festivities here in Vegas. Uh, and I, I guess I'll just start with the, the broadest of questions. Uh, what are you most excited about? Because there's a lot going on over the next couple of days. Uh, uh, there's a couple of things. Like uh, from a fan perspective, I love uh, the, the fanfare and all mm. uh, the the trophies being in town and the different activations or uh, areas for people that uh, that aren't familiar with the, with our part of the business. But uh, uh, the the different plays and and uh, interactions that the fans can uh, can go check out. So so that from a from a pure fan standpoint, even if you don't get to the skills competition. Or see see the All Star Game on on Saturday. Being around the city and bumping into players or uh, Hall of Famers and alumni, uh, and seeing the Stanley Cup up close and uh, and that kind of uh, theme uh, is 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 what I love the most. I mean, I, I was just over at the MGM Grand uh, for lunch with a couple of buddies, my wife, and uh, and we see people walking around with uh, with sweaters on from all the different teams. Yeah. But the Encore right now, uh, just about to head over to Fanfare, and there's people with uh, with the sweaters on and, and, and paraphernalia from, from the different teams. And so that's good to see Las Vegas totally take it over uh, by hockey, which is which is pretty neat. I saw someone a couple of days ago at the, at the Arsenal at City National Arena. I, I overheard. He was on the phone with someone. It's like, like I'm at this team store. It's the best store I've ever been in. Why aren't you here? And it just gets it gives the idea that the the city is has been in a good way just invaded by the hockey world. So it's going to be a, a a sharing of of ideas and fandoms. And and you mentioned fanfare. I think that's what I'm most excited about too because there's an interactive element for fans to have have fun. But also if you're a nerd like me. There's an educational element because there's going to be a lot of hockey giants at Fanfare over the course of a few days uh, to to answer questions and, and to talk hockey, and that that's a rare opportunity to have that many minds in one setting. Yeah, and, and there's different uh, setups so for these presentations. Uh, I'm going to be doing the chirp over there later mm-hmm. on today, and Bill Daly uh, is going to be uh, in with me. Uh, George McPhee is going to stop by. Uh, Chris King from uh, Hockey Operations uh, and the Situation Room uh, in, in Toronto where they do all the, the challenges. He's going to stop by and explain some of that. So so that's going to be fun. There's uh, Gary Lawless is speaking to uh, some uh, NHL alumni. Ashley Vice is, uh, is, is doing a presentation there and uh, there's, there's the VGK aspect, there's the league aspect, there's the alumni aspect. Uh, to it, so yeah, it's it, it's awesome. I mean, and to your point about uh, the person that you ran into uh, in the arsenal, I mean, I, I just passed somebody two minutes ago with a Kaprizov sweater on, and mm-hmm. uh, she's maybe fifteen uh, years old, about my daughter's age, just walking through with a Kaprizov shirt. You don't see that every day yeah. in, in Las Vegas, where somebody's uh, just sporting their team colors, and uh, they being around like-minded people is always more comforting. And an NHL fanfare, uh, you don't get uh, more people of our kind than something like that. And, uh, of course, Vegas has built itself a hockey reputation. There are a lot of people who are going to be experiencing that for the first time this weekend. So uh, VGK fans, put your best foot forward. Speaking of the the people you're going to be speaking to as you record the Chirp podcast over at Fanfare, um, you, you talk to, you know, hockey you know, giants in the business all the time. And, of course, you're so fun to talk to. I'm sure it's always a freewheeling, easy oh, yeah. conversation. It's great. Having, they they having, love it. Having said that, though, the unique thing about this weekend is that so many hockey people have converged on the city, but it's it's all entertainment. It's all fun. You know, you might meet a lot of people at the draft, but they're there to work. 
You might see people yeah. in the playoffs, but there's a lot on the line. This is a weekend where everyone actually can let their guard down and have fun. I imagine that's going to be an, an even more enjoyable interview experience for you than what you're even accustomed to. Well, it should be great. Like, I haven't seen – and it, here's the, the added-on part is, uh, like, the producer of, of, of the Chirp uh, works for the National Hockey League NHL Productions named Bob Bender, producer Bob. I've been working with him for two years. We've never met face to face until today <laughs> because of the pandemic. Right. Like, he, he just we've we've never been traveling. We haven't been uh, in the same same location. Uh, Bill Daly, uh, back decades with, with Bill Daly, and we we haven't seen each other face to face in two years. So that that's. That's the intriguing part. Is I, I can, I'm not the biggest social butterfly. I'd be at the farthest corner, quietest corner of every room uh, that you'll ever be in. But <laughs> but I, we haven't been able to to see a lot of our buddies in a while. So I, I came over and just uh, hung out in the lobby and then scheduled or bumped into people for coffees uh, this morning. And uh, Patrick Burke from Player Safety Department was there. Jerry D, a comedian from Canada, he's part of the. Uh, uh, the uh, festivities on the strip tonight uh, with the two events from the skills competition that will be uh, played back tomorrow during during that program. Uh, Jamal Mayer's yeah. now Cup champion. Like there's there's people all over the place, uh, just just uh, hanging out and walking around. And to your point is we're all hanging out walking around, but uh, there's not that urgency of, of a National Hockey League draft where you can uh, you can kind of chill and and have big conversations and. You, you bump into one person, and then all of a sudden you had a group of 10 standing around talking and chirping and, and having some fun. So it's been, it's been really good that way. We're talking to Darren Millard. I'm going to have a chance to do an interview on Sunday with Phil Pritchard. I'm excited about that, the keeper of the mm. cup. Who's going to have better stories than Phil? Um, you, you mentioned tonight on the strip they're going to be doing the pre-record for a couple of the skills competition. I love the skills competition. I still have vivid childhood memories of – uh, Al McGinnis in the hardest shot and Ray Bork accuracy yeah. shooting. Uh, some some cool wrinkles this year to to kind of show off Vegas as part of the skills competition. Well, I, I love the fact that they brought uh, back the save streak uh, for the for the goaltenders yeah. to, to have some fun with. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, the the fastest skater I'm always fascinated with. Uh, that's probably my, my my favorite one, along with the, the hardest shot and, and the accuracy. But that fastest skater, watching those guys twirl around, knowing that they're <laughs> they're like right on the razor's edge of flying into the board, and especially with uh, with the Olympic Winter Games started uh, in Beijing, it's a nice primer for the for the short track speed skating uh, yeah, for absolutely. us all to, uh, to to get uh, up and running. But uh, the fountain is off uh, on the strip in the Bellagio Fountain, uh, where they're going to sauce some bucks uh, over and onto targets. Uh, Mark Stone's going to participate in that, so that uh, I, I have no idea what it's going to look like, how it's going to translate. I just know that our athletes are going to be doing that hockey thing on the Bellagio uh, fountain water, and I, I can't think of anything cooler than that. And then the the twenty one and twenty two, the blackjack competition uh, with uh, with players shooting at targets and trying to make their best uh, blackjack hand uh, and. Uh, with with pucks and sticks and right on the on the Las Vegas Strip. I mean, uh, even if you're not a hockey fan, you're flipping around. You're going to want to be part of that just to just for the spectacle of it. And and I, I think it's cool. And and uh, like this is uh, also a, a time for athletes to to uh, show off their brand and their skills. And uh, and not everybody wants to participate in fastest skater. Not everybody wants to participate in the uh, the accuracy. Uh, Brian, but I can tell you this, the response from the players 
and the, the, the athletes from the uh, the 32 teams was uh, unanimous, and they all like there was there was uh, some guys pulling uh, in favors to get involved in the in the fountain face off of the 21 uh, in 22 to to be part of that spectacle in the Las Vegas Strip, and that's pretty cool to see. Those will be fun ones, Darren. We're out of time. Thank you for joining us. Oh. We'll send everyone your way uh, tomorrow afternoon. You're going to be hosting the Enterprise NHL Streetball Hockey Clank Outside Lifeguard, so fans will catch you there. Darren, thanks for your time today. Looking forward to it. And remember, stay hydrated with that milk. Will do. Thank you. That's Darren Millard, and that's going to do it for HSK Today. We'll hop out. We'll be back at 6.30 for pregame coverage before the Silver Knights and San Jose Barracuda drop the puck tonight on 12.30 a.m. The game. Brian McCormick here with you on the Silver Knights Radio Network.